Welcome to our first bonus episode. Woo. A little bonus content for you guys. Uh, today we're going to just be looking over Dead Ahead, which happened last weekend in Mexico. Yeah, in Cancun. Um, it, it was a Friday to Monday event, very reminiscent of what Dead & Company did with Plane in the Sand. So this is pretty much uh, just like another Plane in the Sand, but with the different lineup, now that Dead & Company sort of disbanded, hiatus, we're not entirely sure. But um, yeah, just a little breakdown of what we've seen and our thoughts from uh, what's been circulating online at yeah. the event. Yeah, and a quick note, we weren't there, but you know, we're interested in it. We follow along and everything. Yeah, yeah. This is just like I said, from what we've seen online. So Yeah. Yeah, what we've been yeah. watching and stuff. Yeah. So don't come after us or anything. <laughs> but but yeah, so it start off Friday night, like Harry said. Most notably, well, starting off with that was Array Below had a a, a set. The um, little goose uh offshoot trio yeah acoustic trio yeah rick peter and jeff yeah and uh from what i heard it it seemed pretty tight pretty standard great performance from them uh and i would say the really notable thing was the bob sit in for broke down palace beautiful i mean i bet yeah i bet that was yeah my favorite dead song and hearing bob and rick sing that together is just fantastic yeah that's awesome yeah, and then after that, there was a, uh, Bobby Weir and the Wolf Bros in the Wolf Pack set. Yeah, they, they did two sets, and so like a, a typical show, and both Sturgill and Derek sat in with them, and I thought that they they both did a good job respectively on the songs they helmed. I thought Derek uh, ripped on He's Gone. It was really nice. That's awesome. And then uh ended the, the evening off with Mickey Hart's Noche de Ondas. Yeah, yeah night of the night of the waves is night of the waves yeah. yeah and that was cool it just seemed like a a very neat collection of musicians together just jamming and it seemed like it was all improvised i i saw a bit with Derek trucks um about 15 minute video and uh they just seemed tight it was it was pretty out there but it was cool yeah that's awesome. very enjoyable yeah yeah and then saturday there was a teal and friends set yeah, and that seemed like that was the main set. Um, there wasn't too much out there, but uh, just a great collection of musicians, especially with Melvin Seals, Dwayne Betts. So I'm sure that that was a heck of a night. Yeah, yeah. I know Melvin Seals, he played with... Jerry, it, yeah. yeah. He was in so the Garcia cool. band. Yeah, and then Sunday was our first Dead Ahead day with uh, Bobby Weir, Mickey Hart, Jeff... Okay, Jeff Comenti. Thank you. Uh, O'Teal and Don Waz and Jay Lane. Um, they also had uh, Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi. Yes, thank you. Yes, <laughs> uh, as their as their special guests, and then both shows had Sturgill Simpson for the entire time. And so Sunday kind of struck me as like the the honky tonk night, especially with the set list. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I I just thought. Yeah, like Susan, I mean, she is such a soulful singer. She does such a good job. Uh, so I was really impressed with her helming a lot of the vocals. Um, Brittany Spencer sat in and watching the Looks Like Rain that they did together, like, uh, despite the cringy lyric, <laughs> it was it was great. I mean, Brittany really killed it. And if you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. She did a great job with Bob. Uh, 
And yeah, Sturgill, I think this night played to his strengths a little bit more, being more of a honky-tonk country night. And I think on the songs that he that he did, it was like, they were pretty country songs, so his voice fit in with that. But this this opens up a bigger topic of, should Sturgill Simpson be there? Um, <laughs> and I will preface this by saying, I do really like Sturgill Simpson. I think he's one of the best country artists of the past 10 years. He's really doing justice to the genre and kind of picking up that older outlaw brand of country. So I do really like him. I don't think he fits. I, I, I just I just don't think he fits with the dead. Um, I think on the songs that he he does that are country songs, it works well. But I think he's almost too country. Because for me, the cool thing about the dead doing country songs was that it didn't sound directly like country. It sounded like the dead doing country songs. Yeah, yeah. But then when you've got Sturgill, especially on the vocals, it sounds like a country artist doing country songs. So it works, but it doesn't sound like the dead um musically he he just can't he can't hold up like i there were some moments and i would say the ones the one that really stood out on the first night for me where i was like why is this dude here is hey jude which i think it was really cool that they played hey jude susan stumbled on it a little but overall she did well um and that would have been a cool surprise you know you're there and like oh they're gonna do the whole hey jude cover yeah. not just dakota um so that was cool but he was doing like the the whole time i feel like his country licks were like or all of his licks were country licks and most of them were the same bends <laughs> just in the major pentatonic scale where he's like just doing these country like bend and then pull and then bend down um and it was just like, what? Like, why is this the only lick you know? And just variations of that the whole time. And he was doing that just in all the wrong spots on Hey Jude, I felt. Um, like, especially in, I guess it doesn't really have a chorus, but the part where it isn't the verse, I guess it's kind of a chorus, but it doesn't repeat. He's doing that over on him. If you listen, it just, it's like he's got no awareness that it, it doesn't fit and it doesn't have a place. Not to mention, I don't think there's any need to crowd the stage. I think that that was the failure of The Dead, which was a post-Jerry iteration that had two guitarists and at times two keyboardists, or sorry, my bad, three guitarists. So uh, two in addition to Bob Weir, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Herring and Warren Haynes. And nobody knew when to take lead. And I think that that really played to the downfall of that group. And I never feel like there's any need to crowd that stage with too many people. And the stage felt crowded to me. And Sturgill, I think, would have been very ex expendable. He did well on his country songs, like I said. Um, and Call Me the Breeze was another cool one to see on the set list. It was no Skinnerd, but it was good. Um, but overall, it, it was just weird. I don't feel like the jams particularly took off that night. Derek killed it on Chiggery. Um, the Dark Star never really went anywhere. That one, Sturgill and Derek did compliment each other nicely, but it wasn't wasn't anything exceptional. But Derek killed it for his part, but I wish it was just Derek, because I think if it was just Derek, he would have stepped up to the plate more, kind of taken over more and melted some faces. Yeah, yeah, very nicely said. And this might sound very dumb, but I thought it's funny how uh, Sturgill did Call Me the Breeze 
which, you know, John Mayer also covered. Interesting, you know, is he taking Mayer's spot in this new dead, you know? But definitely a new perspective. Yeah, there's yeah. there's my Dean comment. You got to throw in some Mayer in there. Great, but, great insight. <laughs> thanks. But after that, uh, there was an LP Joby set, which, you know, we, we like her. She she is like a, a DJ, an EDM artist, and has become semi-known for remixing dead songs. Which, like, are two things combined, which, like, I think she does a good job, and I think it's cool, you know, she's, like, reimagining some of these songs. But I don't know if that audience was particu- particularly, sorry, the best for yeah. for that. I don't know how they felt. The rich deadheads, yeah. Yeah. And the old. The old heads. Yeah. Yeah, but she also did uh, a set on Monday at 1 o'clock. Which, might I just point out, so they're having her do midnight the night before, and then they're asking her to do a 1 p.m. So, where is her sleep, <laughs> might I just say? No no break for GOB. DJs are musicians, too. I think <laughs> she should get a break. Just throwing that out there. Also, I saw a video of Hot this, take. this set, <laughs> and it's just a pool of all these old heads, <laughs> like, they're all drinking, which I'll get to that in a sec, but they're all drinking, listening to, I think it was trucking, like completely remixed. House mix. Of yeah. Trucking, yeah. And I don't, I wonder if they like it. I don't know. But so I'm just going to ray on this a, a tiny bit. Those pools at these resorts and stuff where there's all the alcohol, everyone's peeing in that pool. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. And there's a concert going on. So it's not like they're going to leave to go out of the pool they're not going to leave their alcoholic drinks or anything yeah they don't want to get up so that's just my thought as i watch this video is of trucking the lp joby remix saying i wonder if these people like this also why is no one leaving to go to the bathroom (laughs) that's those are my takes very telling very telling (laughs) then after uh that magnificent lp joby set Deadhead did uh, two more sets on that Monday. Yeah, this time, so it was no Derek and Susan. Uh, it was Rick Matiratonda from Goose and Margot Price for the special guests. Once again, with Sturgill Simpson on both nights. Um, and they opened with Shakedown, which it was a really good Shakedown. I'm like, yes, they finally got the tempo. It was it was very fast, but like the, the right pace, you know, for a Shakedown. Rick was ripping on it, and I was like, Rick is so saucy. And there's Sturgill fucking Simpson doing these country licks, like, over Shakedown, which is, like, a dance (laughs) funk disco song. He only knows country licks. God damn it. (laughs) Play, like, um, like, dude, if you're just gonna play, just play the chords, you know, just play along. Don't be playing country on Shakedown Street, man. Like, what are you doing? So that was... In a little infuriating. Meanwhile, Rick is just ripping on it. And see, Rick definitely has a leg up here because he's a seasoned pro. He's played with Phil. He's come out at Bob's shows. So this feels like the natural step for him to take his, like, playing with a sort of dead-end iteration, um, which was really cool. I will say again, Sturgill on the countryer songs that he sang, he did well. And what I would say, too, about his guitar playing is if I were to go to a Sturgill Simpson concert, I would be impressed. I'd be like, wow, he he's a pretty decent guitarist. Like, he was doing some cool stuff. But the fact is, is he's playing on the dead ahead bill, 
which kind of indicates that you need to be dead caliber. You need to be dead quality. And he, he just wasn't. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I thought that this night was better from what I heard. They played Golden Road for for Simpsons fairly well, which kind of to me was like, why didn't Denon Company play this? Yeah. You know, like, why do you choose this lineup now, Bob, uh, <laughs> to bust this one out if you could have done it with Mayer? But O'Teal and Rick switch vocals. And I mean, honestly, highlight of the night. They uh they ripped on that and it was just so cool. Jeff Jeff was doing well. One thing I will say about Rick is he definitely doesn't have that like full on connection with Jeff. Whereas like John, I'm pretty. It feels like that was just instant, you know, like yeah. But I'm guessing that just comes over time. Uh, but the Golden Road was really nice. And then second set, they open with Scarlet Fire, and. This this was interesting. It was shaky because uh, Scarlet was kind of stale. I, I felt like the Scarlet was a little stale. I did feel like Rick's first solo was kind of stale on it. Admittedly, it sounded more like the dude from Goose soloing than like Rick really playing in the dead sphere. But he got into it, which was good later on. And he even did throw in a little bit of loose ends for all the Goose fans. He teased it, which was neat. Uh, and he, he did later on, he, he really got in the groove, which was nice, but then they go into fire and, oh my God, like it was so clunky. Cleanest transition ever. <laughs> no, do not listen to this man. He's lying to you. <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, yeah. Scarlet fire is supposed to be like one of those built in natural transitions. And like, it was terrible, but I mean, that's, that's kind of like. It happens with the dead, you know, but I'm just saying for something that's supposed to be very natural and built in, it was super clunky. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kills the vibe a little was, in the middle very rough. of the song. Then they bring out O'Teal. Well, O'Teal's playing the second set and they bring out Don Was, who's the other bassist. I just want to say, I don't get why they needed two bassists because for each set that Don Was play, is playing, you're going, where's O'Teal? Because... No hate to Dom was. He's a good bassist and a super talented guy, producer overall. Um, but O'Teal is a world-class bassist. Like, we're talking best of the best. Like, one of the best to ever play the instrument. Just sitting on the sideline watching Don was play. You're not going to want that. No, no reason to crowd that stage with too many people. So, I feel like his presence... Like, you leave him to play with Wolf Bros. That's cool. That's, that's Don's space that's his his sphere of playing <sighs> but yeah playing they bring him out on that fire which gives O'Teal maybe a little more room to just vocally um focus on it but O'Teal doesn't need that room he already kills that shit with dead and co and it's like he doesn't need a bassist to come out O'Teal did do like a scat solo on fire though oh, yeah, which was yeah. nuts that was like cool. he was just popping off which is kind of like what he did on Eyes of the World oftentimes with Dead & Co. So it was cool that he he kind of got another song to do that with, a different song, um, really nice. I will also say that Eyes of the World was a highlight. I mean, just hearing Rick sing it, his voice fits so well. Closer to Mayer, for sure, in terms of his singing, I think, yeah. and how that fits with the dead. And I thought it was pretty neat. They actually totally killed this. On Eyes, they transitioned into Franklin's Tower, and they sort of brought back that very last part of Slipknot, 
to go into Franklin's tower, so it was smooth. It was super smooth, except during this transition, fucking Sturgill Simpson is just playing his country bends over it in the major pentatonic scale. I'm like, dude, play the song. Do the transition with him. Don't just be playing your country bends over the chords. It was killing me. I'm like, what's Sturgill doing? Um, but Franklin's Franklin's crushed. Um, Margot Price, she didn't really do much. She sang like complimentary vocals on a few songs, kind of taking up the Donna spot, but like I, a little underutilized, but she was dancing around on the stage. She looked super happy to be there. So it was a good presence. Uh, and I think another sign that I was like, wow, this would be good if they really went on tour um, was the other one. They they just did a tight, smoky, the other one, as it should be. Um, definitely a highlight. And then they encored with Addicts of My Life which seemed like a really interesting choice considering Dead & Company never did it. And it's a big deal. Oftentimes they don't do it too much because it's kind of like deemed as the sacred Jerry song in a way. Also something I wish Dead & Company did. Uh, and interesting that they, they chose that one. I mean, it's a perfect song to end on, but interesting that they chose this occasion to end on Addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but overall... I would say Monday was a better show, but yeah, I think I think well, I mean, I also really like Goose, but I think Rick just really fits in nicely. He does, yeah. Like that's the other thing too about Derek Trucks. Just even if you compare the two kind of lead guitarists, is that Derek just he's like the equivalent of what John did, but for the Almond Brothers, like even more so, just bringing in that Dwayne Almond slot. Um, and I think he, I mean, he's just one of the best guitarists, so he's going to kill it anyways with yeah. the dead. But Rick, like, he he earned his spot there. Um, yeah. I will also say, just another little bone to pick with Sturgill. He's playing on a Telecaster, and his tone is thin. So when both him and Bob are playing rhythm, it's like two thin tones, and there's no smoothness. So that hurt a little. But overall... Yeah, Monday was a pretty good show, I would say. But I still think Dead & Co., if you compare those to pretty much almost any of the Plane in the Sand shows, they're going to get blown away by Dead & Company. Yeah, definitely. Especially with John Mayer. But also, it's it's expected. Yeah. Like, they've, like, that was a real band. This was just yeah. kind of a collection of musicians. Yeah, so I think they did a pretty nice job with the festival altogether, you know? and Good collection of musicians, yeah, groups. And, you know, I wonder what the future is going to hold, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because they went on their final tour, they said, you know, but... We'll, we'll see. Will it be Dead Ahead this summer? Will it be Dead and Company at the Sphere? Ooh, Who knows? The Sphere, huh? Who knows? That might be a, another bonus episode you'll see soon. Maybe. Who knows? But, yeah, thank you guys for tuning into our bonus episode. And, yeah. We'll see you soon.